Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host, and in today's journey through history, we're going to look at the life of Junior Walker and his famous band, the All-Stars, that had their early career begin in Southwest Michigan. So come along and join me. So I'm going to be referencing a book written by Sonia and Sean Hollins. And if you ever get a chance to attend an event where these two are speaking, it is phenomenal. They wrote this book called Here I Stand 20 years ago. It's in its 20th anniversary edition currently. They've revised it over the years with better printing quality and so forth, but they've kept the book alive. And what this book is about is the history of a lot of the early black music that came out of primarily Battle Creek. And there's a lot of interesting stories behind that, starting with really the early 1930s, all the way through the 1940s, and the formation of the Hamblin Community Center during the 1940s, where soldiers were stationed at Fort Custer, had a place to go to that were black soldiers. And they created this community center. The population of Battle Creek in the 1930s or 40s was around 45,000 people. And at that time, there were only about 2,000 black people in the community. And they didn't really have a gathering place. There was a lot of this uh, separatism that was going on within clubs and places of entertainment. So they founded their own places around town. And one of them was the Hamblin Community Center, where they'd hold USO dances and all sorts of things, and they'd have a lot of local entertainment. Well, as the 40s came to a close, there was a couple by the name of Robert Snap Montgomery and his wife, Helen Montgomery, and they decided that it was time to open a club. And originally, the club that they opened was called The Corner, and they put all their money into this and they even quit their jobs to dedicate themselves to it full-time. And it was located at the corner of Kendall Street and Hamblin Streets. And when it opened in 1949, it was known as The Corner. And then they went to California on a vacation visit with family, and they heard the name El Grotto out there in their travels. And they thought, oh, that is a wonderful name. So they came back and they renamed the club the El Grotto Lounge, has an amazing sound to it and it remained the El Grotto Lounge for a number of years and there were a lot of early stars that had the early part of their career begin at the El Grotto uh, Jackie and Johnny Wade Flemons and of course Junior Walker and the All-Stars so that's what we're going to talk about today coming from their book and all of this research material can be found in the book here I Stand by Sonia and Sean Hollins. And I'm going to put the link in the description of this episode where you can get a copy of the book because it's very worth reading. It is just so well written. And there's so many anecdotes about the lives of these artists that you will never read anywhere else because she took a tremendous amount of time along with her husband to put this book together. Uh, Sonia was a former a member of the Battle Creek Inquirer. So she was very used to doing research. And when she started going down the rabbit hole, the stories uh, that she put together in this book, she really invested a lot of her time in it. And her husband also did the same. 
and they now own a publishing business of their own, and they publish their own books, and they publish some books for some other authors as well. But they're just an amazing couple if you get a chance to uh, speak with them. And, and she has been on my show before as a guest uh, a couple of months ago. I had her on with Mac McCullough from the Willard Library when we were talking about the Sound of Freedom event, which they held at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum in June. And that was a probably one of the most amazing events we've ever held at the museum. And uh, I'm hoping that they will be able to pull that off again next year because it was just tremendous. And uh, I've already reached out to Sonia, and they're looking at their calendar for maybe next year. So uh, looking forward to some other great programs from them. And she's done other books herself personally on other black history. Uh, Mers Tate, if you've ever heard of her, she did a tremendous uh, biography on her and does this incredible uh, presentation on Mers Tate. So definitely, if you ever come across a presentation where they are speaking, you most certainly want to go to it. But the story of Junior Walker. So with the connection of Motown through Jackie and Johnny, that had begun some of their early career at the El Grotto Lounge, there was always this thought of, well, who's next in line? And Autry DeWalt Mixon was born in Blightsville, Arkansas in 1942. And the story of how he got his nickname is that he loved walking to school instead of taking the bus. So he was nicknamed Junior Walker at a young age, and the name stuck. Now, although he was born in Blytheville, Arkansas, he grew up in South Bend, Indiana. And he began playing saxophone while in high school. And his saxophone style was the anchor of the sound of the bands that he would later play in. And he was quite a talented musician at a young age. So when his family moved north to South Bend, Indiana, like so many other blacks from the South when they moved north, they sought the promise of better paying jobs and more tolerable racial climate. At age 14, Junior attempted to break into the music business by performing at clubs in Chicago. He hoped to sneak into a nightclub, catch a set with a jazz band, and basically be discovered. And there was only one thing that was stopping him the security at the door. He later said that uh, he would try to sneak in by saying, uh, Illinois Jacket is my uncle. And Junior said in 1992, Battle Creek Inquirer interview, and they would throw me out. Once I said, I'm the janitor here to clean up. And they said, then go clean the street. And they threw him out again. So they were on a zero tolerance policy for 14 year olds at that time. So Junior gave up his attempts while he was in high school to try to get into these clubs and he basically took to playing at his high school in South Bend and there he met Willie Woods who had recently moved to the city from Morehouse Parish Louisiana and Woods was born in 1936 and had been raised on a farm while his family worked as sharecroppers now during Woods childhood he suffered the degradation of segregation and even witnessed the hanging of his uncle once now while working in the fields with his family, crop dusters often sprayed the crops while they worked on them. So that was kind of an insight into his childhood. His mother and stepfather moved to South Bend when he was eight years old, where he met other boys who liked to play typical games and had a love for music. Woods and Junior Walker lived less than two blocks apart, and they shared the same musical interests. So the teens soon met William Nix, known as Billy Sticks Nix, because of his love for the drums. And Nix, a self-taught drummer, became leader of his own band, 
the Rhythm Rockers. And then in 1956, the band was already a local favorite in the area. And Nix invited Junior's talent as a tenor saxophone into the group to give it a unique sound. And then Fred Patton played piano and performed vocals, and Woods came on board to play guitar. So you can see the early formation of how these guys got together. The Rhythm Rockers performed at local dances throughout South Bend, and they became regulars on the local WNDU television station, Club 46, Saturday afternoon dance show for high school students. The group was on its way towards success when disenchantment struck among the members. Junior left the band and took Woods and Patton with him. Tony Washington would become his drummer, and they were now known as Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And they began to hit the club scene in South Bend, as well as Michigan clubs in Benton Harbor, Albion, Jackson, and Battle Creek. It was typical for them to play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Battle Creek, and then later head over to Albion and perform at the Breakfast Dance, which was after hours club until 4 a.m. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, they performed at the East Bend Club in Benton Harbor and then drove back to South Bend after each gig. It took $5 to fill up Junior Studebaker, and they all pitched in to cover the cost from their divided earnings of up to $20 a night. One evening, while driving the back roads from South Bend through Michigan towns like Cassopolis, Three Rivers and Kalamazoo toward Battle Creek, something happened. The car made an unusual noise, and suddenly the springs broke in the car And when Junior turned the corner. And then the friends bounced along to a stop, and they all toppled into each other inside the Studebaker. Now, no other cars were on the road, and once they sat there for a few seconds reflecting on what happened, they all began to laugh. All they could do was find a payphone to call Helen Montgomery, the owner of the El Grotto Lounge, where they were scheduled to play that evening, and they told her about their delay, and she decided to help them. She sent her brother Melvin, also the club's bartender, to pick them up. And once they arrived at the club, Helen and her husband Snap had good news for them. The couple offered to purchase them a new Buick for Junior to transport his group around, but on one condition, that they would come to work as a regular house band at the El Grotto Lounge. They all agreed. They rented apartments, and the club owners later helped Junior purchase a home on Green Street in Battle Creek. So after serving in the military, childhood friend Victor Thomas joined the band to replace Fred Patton as the new organ player and moved from South Bend to Battle Creek. The band became popular, and fellow El Grotto Lounge performers Bristols and Beavers helped them get an audition with the Hitsville Tri-Fi Records. Their first hit recording was Cleo's Mood. However, it would be nearly four years before they were back in the studio to record another hit. So in the meantime, the All-Stars continued as house band and the headliners of the El Grotto, each earning $20 a night. To them, there was nothing better than having fun playing their music and entertaining others. Their interaction with the crowd was something that the audience loved. And it was their chemistry that member Victor Thomas said was the secret of their success. One night, they were playing a song, Land of a Thousand Dances, when we saw a nice-looking woman doing a dance that we'd never seen before. Junior was still playing, and he hollered down from the stage, 
what's that dance? And she said, it's the shotgun. The dance consisted of a finger imitating a gun that shoots in various directions to the beat of the song. The dancers already continued their hip-twisting, knee-popping moves with the addition of the gun pointing. And Thomas remembered that members of the band were laughing at the motion. But it was then that Junior began replacing some of the words from the song they were playing with his own. Shotgun, shoot him for he run now. And the song was a hit at the club, and Helen encouraged them to approach Motown with it. And they did. And when Motown heard it, they added a crackling gunshot to the opening of the song, and it topped the charts. Barry Gordy mentioned Junior Walker in his book, To Be Loved, The Music, The Magic, and The Memories of Motown. In the autobiography, he wrote, Junior was incredible. His saxophone sound was like nobody else's. The down-home feeling he had with his band when he sang and played his horn made it easy to produce him. All he had to do was get a good sound balance in the studio and just wait. He could put together some of the damnedest lyrics you've ever heard and come out with a smash. Some of those hilarious lyrics were in the hit Shotgun, written in 1965. So I'm going to read you the lyrics in the song. You probably heard this song a lot, but maybe never really caught all the words. And it says, Shotgun, shoot him for he run now. Do the jerk, baby. Do the jerk now. Put on your high heel shoes. We're going down here now. And listen to him play the blues. We're going to do potatoes. We're going to pick tomatoes. With the enthusiasm of Barry, Junior told his band to pack your rags, we're going on the road. They joined Motown as a tour and performed for the first time at the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. The tour circuit included cities like New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and during one-nighters they traveled by bus or car. On longer performances, such as the Apollo Theater in Harlem, they performed up to three times a day. Shotgun made the group a household name. It was a number one single in 1965 on the R&B charts, and they were seen with the same admiration as other Motown artists on the tour, such as Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, the Velvets, the Contours, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, and Dionne Warwick. The admiration came with a short lease when the group performed in the South. Thomas remembered being an 18-year-old Marine Corps soldier from the North when he got his first taste of segregation at a restaurant in Atlanta. It had a sign up that read, For Whites Only. So that was one of their sobering experiences when they traveled down south during that time. And then the groups toured, they faced racism in some of the hotels. And some of the hotels allowed them to stay, but they said you can't use the pool. And some restaurants wouldn't serve them regardless of their hit records. And most of the concerts were 300 to 500 miles apart, and they took the bus to get there, according to what Thomas was saying. And many Southern segregated-style hotels didn't allow African Americans to check into the hotels. And if they did, they had them come through the back door. 
During one hotel episode in Nashville, the band learned about the unspoken rule in the South when you went swimming in a hotel pool to relax. When we were on our way out, the hotel manager smiled a sly grin and said, stay out of the pool next time, y'all out here. Thomas remembered the tone and it made him shudder. On the stage, however, the fans made them feel welcome and loved. They screamed and pulled at the group when they left the venues. And Thomas remembered that one overzealous fan came after Junior one night and Junior wore a necktie. And when one fan grabbed hold of it, Junior began to choke and he started to wear more clip-on ties after that. So that's kind of a funny anecdote. Others who performed with Junior and the All-Stars chuckled at the memories of them on stage. They remembered one episode where Junior fell off the stage at the Fox Theater. Martha Reeves from Martha Reeves and the Vandellas said he fell off the stage into the orchestra pit and then he got up with his horn all bent and kept playing shotgun. And she went on to say that I hope one day somebody recognizes the magician he was. Not musician, but magician. You couldn't follow Junior Walker. He would take a show whether he'd opened it or closed it. I love some Junior Walker, said Reeves. You might remember that her own group had hits like Heat Wave and Dancing in the Street. So she was a star in her own right to be saying these things about uh, Junior Walker is quite a tribute. Cal Gill Street of the Motown girls group The Velvets also remembered Walker's enthusiasm and commitment. She remembered he had so much commitment to his fans that he often was fined by promoters for taking shows into overtime. He just couldn't stop, Street said, whose group was founded after a talent show at the Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo when she was in high school. He would get into playing and that was it. Time, who was coming on next? Nothing mattered to him. He just continued playing. So when Junior went on stage, all of us would laugh and say, we can go take a nap because it will be a while before we get on, especially if he played shotgun last. The crowd would want to hear it again and again. And so while the crowd enjoyed the song, Thomas, the organist, began to like it less and less the more they played it. He said, after a while of playing the song in concert, hearing it on the radio, and then going to a bar and hearing it, I started to get kind of sick of hearing it, Thomas said. Thomas also despised being fined for tardiness. One time, the 23-year-old didn't realize how serious the rules were until he received a letter stating he had two weeks to find other employment. Sonny Holly, once with the Phaetons, would be called to take Thomas's place, and he would now have another shot at Motown. Holly knew how to play the piano, but was given three days to learn how to use the Hammond B3 organ. So throughout the years, many musicians came and went from Junior's band. Bill Nix, despite his issues as teenagers, maintained contact with his childhood friends and, and even substituted for various drummers in the group throughout the years. Nick played on the hit How Sweet It Is, To Be Loved By You, and throughout the years with other artists such as Sonny Stitt and Jackie Ivory. Tony Washington left as the group's drummer and joined the Army just before Shotgun became a hit. After the military, he briefly sat in with the band, but went on to serve with the Albion City and Penfield Township Police Departments just outside of Battle Creek. And then Bruce Richardson later joined the All-Stars as its drummer. Richardson's family allowed Woods to live with them when the Junior Walker first moved to Battle Creek from South Bend. Richardson was contracted into the group in 1963. 
He said that he was a young man and excited about this. I knew everything the band was playing. Junior offered me a job, but I didn't want to play with these old guys at first. Junior came by my house almost every day for about three weeks. Me and my mother finally gave in. When we went to Detroit to sign the contract, I was too young to sign without a parent, so my mother had to come. And Richardson, who was 19 when he signed with Motown, while we waited, I was talking to one of the Supremes, trying to rap. He was trying to make some way with this woman. And the managers called, came in and said, you and your mother can come in and sign the contract now. And he was so embarrassed because the Supremes heard that. Uh, he later went on to serve in Vietnam, not long after completing a recording with the All-Stars. And while he was overseas... When he heard their music and tried to convince his fellow soldiers that he was a member of that group, they didn't believe him. And so his mother would finally send his royalty check to him while he was over there, and that proved it to his fellow comrades. And some of the other members that uh, performed with the band was Anthony Payton and Arthur Langley. And Langley played before leaving to join Ike Turner's band for a short stint. And then James Graves replaced Richardson, and he was the drummer for the band from about 1964 to 1967. And Langley passed away in 1968 from injuries suffered from a car accident. He was just 27 years old and left behind a wife and son. So, But Shotgun put the group on the charts, and the song wouldn't be their last hit, though. Um, four other hits earned them gold records, Their singles, Hot Cha and What Does It Take to Win Your Love, were among those, and they were written by a friend and former El Grotto headliner, Johnny Bristol. And their albums, Soul Session and Roadrunner, also showed great success. And so all of that information came from Sonia and Sean Holland's book, Here I Stand, on the 20th of edition. Now let's talk about some of the other singles in Junior Walker's career that you're probably familiar with because you probably have heard them over the years, and they're most likely playing on oldie stations now. But there was, of course, Shotgun in 1965. But there's also other songs that charted, like Do the Boomerang. Um, There was I'm a Roadrunner, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. And then Come See About Me. You probably heard that song a lot. And then What Does It Take to Win Your Love in 1969? That was a number one hit on the R&B charts. And then These Eyes... That song is uh, another popular song that you hear on when you listen to oldie stations now. And that came out in 1969. That went to number three. Uh, Gotta Hold On to the Feeling, number two in 1970. And Do You See My Love, uh, that song hit number three in 1970. So the group had a profound impact on the music industry. One of my favorites is Pucker Up Buttercup. That one is... Uh, One that I remember listening to a lot on the radio, um, especially back in the 80s when they started rolling out these uh, oldie stations that were playing music from the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. I have a lot of fond memories to uh, hearing that on the radio along with uh, Shotgun and dancing around to that in the shop that I worked in as we were working. Uh, Anyway, so you probably all have fond memories of music. Music has a way of resonating with everyone. And some of these early hits from Junior Walker and All-Star really bring you back when you listen to them. And they're still popular today. Autry DeVault Mixon passed away in November of 1995 at the age of 64. And he is buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. And if you want to pay tribute to him and visit his 
grave. He's not far from the post-mausoleum and the Sojourner Truth monument. Those are right on the same basic plot area. And there's a little road right behind the Sojourner Truth memorial. And if you turn right with the Sojourner Truth monument behind you and walk down a little bit, you will find the Autry DeWalt Mixon headstone. And it has the word Junior Shotgun Walker etched into the headstone. And it's got a saxophone on it. And it's a very nice marker. And there's always people that are leaving uh, musical tributes out there on his headstone. I've been out there many times and, and seen new items placed out there in his memory. He had quite a fan following, and so did the band in itself. And their music continues on in the legacy of the community. And um, the El Grotto Lounge was such an incredible fixture within Battle Creek. And some of the other artists that performed there that went on to other careers, you know, um, Wade Flemons. And I was even talking to um, some of the folks that were connected with Del Shannon and knew him, that Del used to go to the El Grotto. And the differences between the two of the El Grotto and the High Low Club, for example, like Del wrote Runaway and performed it for the first time at the High Low Club. But the High Low Club, from everybody's recollection during that era, was that it was more of a dive. But you don't hear that reference to the El Grotto. The El Grotto was kept really nicely by the the Montgomerys. And it may not have been the richest club in town. It was uh, maintained and well-respected. They were great curators of the lounge and really were supportive of the young artists that were performing there. And I think a lot of Junior Walker's career, as well as Jackie and Johnny, probably have a lot to do with Helen Montgomery and Robert Snap Montgomery, who served not only as a resource for a venue for them to play, but they somewhat acted as mentors for them. And that was uh, a big part of uh, Southwest Michigan history. And this band still continued to perform until, of course, Shotgun became a number one hit. But they would perform all through Southwest Michigan in the early 60s at, like I mentioned before, at Benton Harbor, Jackson, Albion, Kalamazoo, and, of course, in Battle Creek. And that's a, a big section of Southwest Michigan's music history right there in Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And this is by no means a complete history of this band. I've had the pleasure of meeting Junior Walker's two sons, and they are such wonderful guys, and they have wonderful stories about their dad. And I've been trying to get them to come on the podcast as a guest, and I'm going to keep pushing for that and see if I can make that happen for you guys so you can hear some personal anecdotes of their father. Um, And when they did the Sound of Freedom event at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, both of them spoke about their dad. And they also talked about Wade Flemons and Jackie and Johnny and all these other guys that performed at the um, El Grotto during the years. And it was just wonderful, personal, heartwarming stories. And some of them were really funny. And just the uh, the legacy that these musicians left within the Battle Creek community. After hearing that event and hearing from all of those wonderful men and women that spoke at that program, and I believe there's a recording of it that is going to be released at some point because they had a recording team there and when I do hear about that I'll share it on my Facebook page so that you guys can check it out but 
the anecdotes and the stories they, they told that evening really made it clear to me that some of my work at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum has to be even more in the direction of preserving some of the music history of the Battle Creek community. And part of the work that I did at the uh, on the project for the History Education Center is I wanted one wall dedicated to the music legacy of Battle Creek. And I kind of insisted on that in the design process. And because I had a lot of influence in raising a lot of the money, I was able to persuade everybody that one of the walls needed to be dedicated to the music legacy of Battle Creek. And so we went through and and rounded up photos of a lot of the music artists. So you have Wade Flemons on the wall. you got Junior Walker and the All-Stars. There's Cy Oliver on the wall. We've got uh, Jackie and Johnny on the wall. And we even have Del Shannon and a few of a whole list of other artists that are uh, on the wall. And many of them had different impacts within the Battle Creek community. And I even went back to one of the early uh, child prodigy pianists that used to play at the Hamblin Opera House. Her name was Vita Rowe. And it was a young girl, and she was playing at the age of eight at the Hamblin Opera House in the late 1800s. And so I thought that needed to be included as part of the city's music legacy as well, because you see her name pop up in a lot of uh, performances around town. She was the go-to girl to perform uh, piano in front of groups and play with orchestras, even when she was eight years old. So a lot of of interesting music history. And we have long-term plans to have a music legacy room in the larger exhibit space at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. And that's going to include some collections of personal memorabilia from not only the Del Shannon family, but the Junior Walker family is offered to provide their collection and have it on permanent display at the museum. So that is really exciting. And if I can make some more inroads in getting some other collections from some of the other artists and have at least some memorabilia from them, that would be just tremendous. Uh, but we definitely have um, good relationships with the Del Shannon family and members of Junior Walker's family. So we're going to be working with them to preserve the music legacy at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. Just got to get the large exhibit space rolled out and funded in the coming years. And that'll be something we'll probably hear more about as we approach 2024. Uh, We're wrapping up the Cultural Heritage Lobby fundraising this year to finish up the gift store and the lobby and some of the other parts of the building that are more infrastructure things that are behind the scenes that you don't hear about, but you don't see, like the fireproof doors and uh, emergency exit doors and all kinds of things on the other large portion of the building that bear quite a bit of expense and um, take a little bit of fundraising, but they're not the sexiest thing out there to fundraise for, if you could imagine. You know, it's much easier to fundraise for something like a history education center where you're going to have this great sound system and portraits on the walls to commemorate Battle Creek's history in picture form than it is to talk about and say, hey, we need to fundraise for a fireproof door on the very back of the building that no one's going to see, but it has to be there for the building codes. So those are the challenges of working and fundraising for a museum. And this is some of the things that I work on behind the scenes as part of my fundraising efforts. And I have kind of taken a... um, a break in July and August to catch my breath, but we'll be rolling more into that in the fall quarter of the year to do more fundraising to finish up some of the important projects before our Christmas programs roll out at the museum this year. But that's going to conclude today's journey looking at some of the life of Junior Walker and the All-Stars, and I wanted to just 
tell you that story, I highly encourage you to go get a copy of Here I Stand. It will be one of the most cherished books in your collection. So once again, I will put the link where you can purchase a copy on Amazon in the show note descriptions of this episode. And just go look it up if you get a chance. Um, and I'll also put the link to Sonia and Sean Holland's website and their publishing company so you can check out their other books and reach out to them uh, yourself. They are often booked for speaking engagements and they speak all over the country. And so it's a little bit challenging sometimes to get them uh, scheduled, but I am working with them uh, to do something in 2024 at the museum and have them back again. And so if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a like or rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on out there. It always helps me to get new listeners to this podcast. And then if you would like to help me out further, go on Facebook and hit the like button on my page, Michael Delaware Author. And I'm really trying to build that up for my release of my new book in the first quarter of next year. So that's Michael Delaware Author. Very easy to find on Facebook. And just hit the like button on that uh that page there and you'll be able to keep up with some of my updates about what's happening with not only this podcast and any videos that I put out but any new updates I have on my future books that are coming out uh, hopefully that will be something I'll be announcing this sale and doing book signings in the first quarter of 2024 and of course you can always reach out to me at michaeldelaware.com I have a contact form on that page and there's also links on there where you can uh, support this channel by making a reoccurring donation or purchase some merchandise or something like that about history. So you can find the links on michaeldelaware.com. And I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. I enjoy it when you guys send me a message about some interesting anecdote or tidbit or information about history. And when I can use it into any of the shows, I definitely try to do that. But until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.